So a woman woke up one morning and she woke up saying, wow, I just had the most amazing dream. She rolls over and tells her husband, like, I just had this amazing dream. He's like, oh, yeah, what was it? She goes, for some reason, I dreamt that for Valentine's Day, you gave me the most beautiful set of pearls. She goes, what do you think that dream means? And he says, oh, baby, don't worry about it. You'll find out tonight. And he leaves, and she's excited all day long, all day long, like, oh, my gosh. He gets home with a box, small box, right? And she's, like, excited. She's ripping it open like a little kid, you know, on Christmas. Opens it up to find a book titled The Meaning of Dreams. (laughs) She can figure out what that dream meant once she reads her book. Happy Valentine's Day to her. He's not gonna, she's not going to be too happy about that. Oh, man. It's Valentine's Day week. Uh, many people would have gone out tonight to celebrate Valentine's Day together. But unfortunately, some of your husbands and boyfriends don't love you enough because the eagles are more important to them. That's all I'm saying. Like, you know, technically, today should be the night... I'm only saying the reality. What's today's date? Anybody? Today's date is the 12th. It's not Valentine's Day yet, but it's a Sunday night, and I'd rather go out on a Sunday night than a Tuesday night to go to a restaurant. So today would have been the day, but, you know, since football is more important to your husband or boyfriend or whatever the case may be, you know. So with that, let us turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13. Yes, the love chapter, right? The love chapter. Chapter 13, I'm going to read uh, the whole chapter. And, um, and then we're going to be talking about some of these verses in more detail throughout the morning. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have a gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and, all, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, it is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Man, some of you are like, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot to ask for. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, 
But then, face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abideth faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Love. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I ask, Lord, that you speak to us this morning. Father, convict our hearts. Let us, let us be honest before you. Show us, illuminate the areas in our heart that need to be illuminated, that we need to be revealed so that we can address certain things in our lives. I thank you, Lord, that, you're, that you loved us so much that you've given us this book, Lord, that is a guide to life. Help us apply it to life. In Jesus' name, amen. Speaking of love, there's nothing greater than a, a mother's love for a child. That's where my wife is right now tending to our daughter who just can't seem to get over. You know how a lot of kids are coughing these days? And it's just like you think it's going away, and then it comes back again, and you think it's going away. It's just so we're, we're, we're hoping that if we just keep her home like days in a row instead of kind of, you know, that she's better. But she, she's with her this morning taking care of her, and please keep, keep her in your prayers. I know that Mackenzie was in the hospital with pneumonia, and I know that... Um, uh, Rachel's son, Gordo, is homesick. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a lot. All our, a lot of our kids are sick. Let's just pray for all our kids. Keep them in your prayers. All right. When we hear these verses, some of us automatically think wedding bells, right? Right? If, if I've married you, um, and I married a lot of people in the last couple years, <laughs> you heard that verse. I use those verses a lot in weddings, Right? Um, but to be honest, we use it in weddings, but those verses, Paul didn't write that for a wedding. Let's be honest. Paul didn't write that thinking in mind like, oh, these will be beautiful words for the bride to say to her groom, or this will be beautiful words for the groom to say to her, to the bride. Like he didn't write that with this in mind. He wrote it to the church of Corinth. He wrote it to the church of Corinth and this church was a proud church. They were a self-obsessed church. They were self-centered. They were man-centered, right? Um, they were just, they were, they were a hot mess, we like to say, right? They were a hot mess. And he wrote this for the people of, the, of that congregation. Almost 2,000 years ago, more than 2,000 years ago. It's resonated through the centuries, right? Because it reminds us of what is central, what is crucial, to our Christian life, and what is not. What is important, and what is not. What matters, and what doesn't matter. Now, to give you more background on the Church of Corinth, they've had a lot of issues, right? They were dealing with theological divisions, right? Well, this is what God meant. Well, no, this is what God meant. And they would argue about that, and it would cause a divide within the Corinthian church. They were dealing with blatant sin, you know, like, hey, I love God. I'm going to do these things in the church, but I'm going to live a whole nother life at home that's different to what I portray in church. They were dealing with sin and hidden sin. 
They had arguments. They were dealing with class divisions. Oh, wait, wait. How much you make? Oh, no, your, your section's over there. You guys got to sit back there. Only, only the elite can sit in these front rows. You know, wait, you, you do what for a living? You're a shepherd? You're a farmer? Oh, no, you guys, you guys go back there. They were dealing with class divisions, social classes divisions within the church of Corinthians. They were dealing with arguments over speaking in tongues. Real arguments, right? They had issues, right? But the root of all their problems was a simple one. They had all these issues. They had all these problems. But when you went down to the root of what they were dealing with, it was simple. It was a failure to love. A failure to love. A failure to love shows itself in so many ways, but eventually, when you go down to it, it always, it always comes back to the lack of love. A lack of love for God, a lack of love for one another. Oh, no, but you're talking about I love God. I, I, I know the concept of us loving God is automatic. You see, the concept of us loving God is something, well, I'm a Christian. Um, he created me. He saved me. Of course I love him. It, it's, it's like it's almost the concept is automatic. But, but do you truly love him? Because your life would reflect that love. And that's what we're talking about today. Today today's sermon title is, What's Love Got to Do With It? What's love got? No, no. <laughs> Some of you guys just got a flashback of the past. It's all about love. It's all about love. What's happening is when we have a lack for love, a lack of love for God, and a lack of love for one another, because we we're so focused on ourselves, we're so focused on what we think is important versus what really is important, right? We focus on, 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 on ourselves and it affects our willingness to serve others, our willingness to sacrifice for others, our willingness to submit for the good of others. That one, we like to leave that one off. Love is just not a Christian, it's just, it's just not a Christian virtue among many. It's the essence of what it means to follow Christ. It's the essence. If you have that, you have everything. If you have love, you have everything. And if you don't, you have nothing. It's that simple. It's that simple. So we're going to see what Paul has to say about love, right? We're going to look at a couple of verses. We're going to look through uh, verses 1 and 3 a little, bit long, a little, a little in closer. Um, we may not have all the exact same problems that the Corinthians had, but um, we, have, we have a couple of the main problems that they did, which was sin, right? We have a sin problem, sin, and selfishness, and that still exists today. It still exists today. So the message that they needed to hear 2,000 years ago, we need to hear today as well. So in the first three verses, we see that uh, Paul starts to say, if I speak in tongues, of men or angels, but don't have love, I'm only like a gong, like a cymbal. You guys heard a gong and a cymbal? That's, it makes noise. It's noisy. It's irritating. It's like, it's like, oh, come on. That's not even, I mean, you can't even make music. I mean, sometimes, somebody, I guess somebody can make music out of it. 
you know, or you can end a song with it or something, but it's, it's horrible. You can't, you can't tune a gong, can you? Can you tune a gong? Can't tune it. Okay, Nathaniel says you can't tune it. Can't tune it. So it's just it's a mess. If I have the gift of prophecy, I can fa- and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge. And I have the faith that can move mountains, but not love. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. If I give all I have to the poor, if I give my body, he says. And he says, if I give my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I have nothing. Now, in each statement, Paul begins with a known spiritual gift. These, these, are, these are not like, oh, is that a spiritual gift or not? No, he, he starts his, his, his verse, he starts his writing with known spiritual gifts. The church of Corinth knew that speaking in tongues was a gift, prophecy was a gift, having faith, you know, uh, was a gift that would move mountains, right? But he, each each spiritual gift, he intensifies it by, by adding a little extra, putting a little icing on it, right? He says, not only speaking in tongues, but speaking in angelic tongues. He says, not only prophecy, he says, but having complete understanding of all mysteries and all knowledge, which Paul himself, at the end of this chapter, he lets you know that he doesn't even have that. Remember when he's like, if I look in the mirror, it's kind of dim. I'm not going to know anything. To the, like, like he's telling you, like, I, don't, I can't even see it all. So Paul's saying, I don't even have this, but you can have this gift. You can understand it all, but without love, it's nothing. You can have faith, faith that will move mountains, faith that will, that will that move mountains because you believe that God will do those things, but not love. It's nothing. Now, he says you can give to the poor generously. You can give all you have. He said, you can even die for somebody. Y'all ready to die for somebody? You can even die for somebody, but it doesn't have love. It's for nothing. Wait a minute. How are you going to die for somebody you don't even love them? Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. How would you do all these things but not love somebody? We'll get to that. Paul's purpose in using these extreme examples is that he wants to make sure his point is being made. He wants you to get the point. Are you guys getting the point so far? Right? You guys getting the point? You can have all these things. You can look like this. You can sound like this. You can act like this. But if you don't have love, it is nothing. Nothing. No matter how impressive, no matter how successful, no matter how much you sacrifice, it's nothing if you don't have love. Without love, Anything we do for Christ. Without love, anything and everything that we do for Christ, if we don't have love, means nothing. It may benefit some people, right? Like, you know, if, if, you, know, if, if, <laughs> if you need some money because you need to buy milk, and I give you money for milk, you're going to have your milk, Right? So some people may benefit from it, but I didn't give them that money with love. So I didn't get no credit. Oh, we don't do things for credit. No, I, I know. Well, just hear me out. It's just, just God, it means nothing to him. It means nothing to him. <clears throat> it's all wasted effort. I get no credit. Yo, so <clears throat> I was telling Camille last night, I was going over this. 
And I was like, teachers, I don't know. Maybe teachers are just nicer these days. Maybe, maybe it's just me. I, 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 I watch Camille interact with her, with her kids, and she loves her, teen, her, 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 her students. And, and, so, and, and she's coming home like, oh, I got to read this now. I got to read that. I'm like, what is it? No, extra credit. They didn't know that I gave them a chance to bring their grade up. I'm like, oh, how nice. <laughs> I remember a time that, and this is a true story, I spent, I think, a week on an extra credit project. And when I finally turned it in to my teacher, my teacher took it and was like, oh, it's too late for this. So uh, you could take that back home with you. I'm like, no, but, but, no. Now, I mean, I did go to Central. So, I mean, I know sometimes, sometimes there, you know, people will say that they, they were extra, they did a little extra. But you know how it feels to pour everything into something? and get no credit? You imagine living your life thinking that you were doing all this good? To turn around and be like, oh, you get no credit for that because your motives were wrong all along. From God's point of view, right, anything without love is worth nothing. I am nothing. I have done nothing. I have gained nothing. Nothing. Turn to your neighbor and say nothing. Nothing. <laughs> but I've actually made sacrifices in my life. I've made sacrifices in my life, right? I've suffered in my life. I've suffered loss. I've made sacrifice. I've labored for the cause of Christ. And although I'm not to be compared with people, uh, famous Christians in history like Billy Graham and, and guys like that, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've done some things for, God, for Christ. I, I mean, I'm giving of my life. I'm giving of myself. It should mean something. It should give me some kind of, you know, God should appreciate that. Or, <laughs> at least I thought, because when we read these verses, you have to now, let's be, we have to be honest with ourselves. And that's why my prayer before I started was, Lord, help us be honest with ourselves. Because let's, let's, let's rewind. Take an inventory of your life. And start asking yourself, why have you really done these things? Why have you done these things? Okay, yeah, you gave your, your time, you sacrificed, you know, you've given, you suffered loss, you've done all these things for Christ. But, but Why? Why have you really done these things? Was it for any other reason than love? Because if, if it were any other reason than love, could you imagine to think that all these years of doing something, thinking I was making a difference, thinking that I was, you know, good on the teacher's you know, teacher's pet list. It was all for nothing. And it meant nothing to him. It meant nothing to him. I don't know about you, but one thing about my, my walk with God is that I want him to be pleased with me. You see, we can get caught up on so many things, but, but, but what do we want? We want our creator, God our Father, to be pleased with us. That's what I want. I want him to be pleased with me. I want to hear, well done, my good 
and faithful servant. And the word is telling me that if I do things without love, it means nothing to him. How could he be pleased with the things that I do that are not done in love? It means nothing to him. And if I'm trying to please my father, then I have to reevaluate what's what's stopping me from actually doing things in love. Like, why? Why am I doing things then? How about you? Look back at your life. Identify all the times when you've given, when you've served, when you've labored, when you've, you know, uh, sacrificed or suffered for Christ. Was it really out of love? Love for God? Love for his people? Or other reasons? But pastor, how could we do all these things if it's not for love? We get in there. We get in there. How about now? How about people in ministry right now? I'm in ministry right now, or I'm serving, or I want to be in ministry right now, right? Am I doing it, or do I want to do it because of love? Am I teaching? Am I caring for kids out of love? Am I leading a Bible study, or, or, <laughs> or am I taking, I get, I get 10 days of vacation a year, or 15, 14, Am I taking seven days of my personal vacation days to then go to another country and serve the less fortunate, using my own vacation to serve others out of love? Am I witnessing to my neighbor out of love? Because if it's not, it doesn't mean anything. No matter how you look at it, it means nothing. No matter how you look at it. To, To make my last point on this before moving forward. To kind of like twist the knife a little bit. You know, like when the knife is in in the movies, they're like, ah. Some of y'all are trying to be like, no, Pastor, I would never watch a movie like that. <laughs> to drive the point home, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, th- uh, earlier, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 to 15 says, by the grace of by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as, wise, as a wise builder, and someone else is building it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds this on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames." Carlos is not here today. I was going to point him out. Carlos is a firefighter. We have a couple firefighters. Oh, Alex is, Alex is here. Alex is a firefighter. And listen, you got, you have, you, there's a fire. You, you know, they run into a building. Someone's in there. They grab them and they bring them out. And, and so Justin has just been saved. Alex just saved your life. Alex, you just saved Justin's life in this fire. 
Justin's like, oh, thank you, Alec. You saved my life. I'm so grateful. And then as a moment passes, Justin looks at the building and he sees it burning to the ground. So then the secondary thoughts come. My wedding photos were there. You know, my child's memories were in there. You know? <laughs> that table that was passed down from generations to generations, we would eat there. My great-great-great-grandmother, you know, she would serve meals here, and we would just talk around it, and it's, it's all gone. It's all gone. I'm saved, but everything I worked for, everything I had invested in, everything that I, that I thought was of value to me is all gone. It's all gone. And you know what? For some people, the entrance into heaven will be just like that. That's harsh. So I'm glad I didn't write it. I'm just the messenger. Some of us will, will, are, are thinking that we're going to strut into heaven with all the things that we think we have done for God. And when we get there, all of that meant nothing to him. And when you turn, on the, when you turn to the, my, my, my imaginary board of all the things that we've done, you'll be like, yo, what happened? God, you know I did more than this. Oh, no, no. None of that was done with love, so it don't count. So just, 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 just walk in, but none of that counts. Everything you gave your life to will be gone and you won't receive a reward for it because it had no eternal value. And this is as we start to transition to things. All those things that we, done, have, we have done without love have no eternal value. But why do we do it if we don't have love? Um, because it has some worldly value. And for some of us, that seems to be important. What Paul is telling us in chapter 13 is that the key factor that determines the quality of your work is love. You want, you want good quality work? Do it in love. Let's put it this way. It doesn't matter what we do. It matters why we do it. It doesn't matter what you do. It matters why we do it. Okay, but why? Why would someone give? Why would someone sacrifice? Why would someone work? Why would someone do all these things without love? It just doesn't make sense. The fact that I'm doing these things proves that I love. Not necessarily. Because I can, kind of, I can think of many reasons to labor, to give, even to suffer for Christ other than love. For example... For example, we could, we could do these things to be seen. Look at me. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Is it out of love? I mean, it's a loving action. Let me take care. Let me, let me, let me feed you today. Oh, that's so loving. Nah, I just, want, I just want to make sure I can tell out, yo, I fed him today. Yo, Stevie, I took him out. Yo, yo I, I, 
Oh, really? Oh, yo, Vince must have it like that. Or to be praised. Oh, you're so amazing. You're so amazing. You're so great. I can't believe it. I wish I could be like you. Oh, my gosh. To have the approval and the applause of other people. Oh, wow, Erica. Oh, amazing. I can't believe it. These are all reasons. These are all reasons why people do things that seem loving but have no love in it. To hear someone say, well done, we couldn't have done any of this without you. Oh, my goodness, without you, we wouldn't be able to do any of this. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to say those things to people. I'm saying that when people do things because they want to hear those things, and then you're doing it for the wrong reason. To be publicly recognized, has some status. To be publicly admired. Have you ever done anything for any of those reasons? Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward that they will ever get. When you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. So I struggle with this. In my area, I struggle. In my life, in, as in my role as a pastor, I struggle with this only because there are times that we do things as a church that we want to take pictures and capture. I want to be able to show the community and other leaders of things that we are doing as a church because many times it will open doors for us to do more for the community. It will open doors for us. And so, and so I want you guys to know that that doesn't exactly mean like as a, as a covering as church. It, this is, it's talking about you. This is more of an individual thing. This is more about when you do things and why you do things and, 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 and how you how some people, how some people, like it says here, blows the trumpets to call the attention to their charity. Doing good works for the approval of people is a very real temptation that many people, many of, I mean, let's say this, that all of us could be tempted with. It, it's, not, it's not something that says, oh my goodness, that person, no, you know what? We are all tempted to do good works, right, for the approval of people. But when we act from these motives, we get exactly what we're seeking. We get that recognition. The Bible says that you will lose your reward in heaven, but you will get your reward here. So when you do something for someone and it's not out of love and it's under these motives and they say, wow, thanks, Kev. Oh, man, thank you so much. You know what? I really appreciate it. Blah, blah, blah. And you're like, and you kind of like feeling it. Well, enjoy that feeling at moment because that's it. Because the, the reward in heaven, the Father has taken away. I don't know about you, but I'd rather get a present from him than get 
Uh, I like, what's up, man? You did good from here, here. That's just me. Another example is found in Philippians chapter 1. Paul writes about people that were preaching. They were preaching, and they were preaching their heart outs. But guess what? They were preaching out of envy and rivalry. In other words, they were working hard, studying hard, putting together these sermons, putting together these teachings, putting together some things that sounded great because they wanted to outdo Paul. They want to outdo Paul. They want, they want, to, have, they want to be like, they, they want to stand there and people be like, wow, did you hear? Yo, he's better than Paul. He teaches better than that guy. He teaches better than that guy. Not out of love for God or God's people, but out of desire to build a reputation is what they were trying to do. Have you ever taught a class? Don't raise your hands. Have you ever taught a class? Have you ever taught a Bible study? Have you ever led a prayer group? Have you ever, have you ever just gathered some people together? And, and, and then afterwards, begin to ask yourself how you compare to some of the other leaders and teachers. Do you work hard at preparing something to say or something to do or a lesson and hope that people will talk about how great it was for weeks to come? If the driving force that accompanies that motive is not love, then what you see here is what you're going to get. You have your reward in full here on earth, and God is not impressed. Church, let's examine our hearts. Let's check our motives. Is it really love, or are you singing what's love got to do with it? All right, that's the hard part. Because that part was more of a, like a warning. That was a warning to the church. Like, don't you dare do these things without love. Because this is what's going to happen. But the good thing about Paul is that as he's, as he's, as he's finishing this letter, right, you know, he, 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 he wraps it up with some, with some instructions, right? Many times our true motives are hidden even from us. So that's why I said, let's, be, let's, let's, let's say, Lord, show me if I don't know. What if I don't know I was doing this for this motive? What if I didn't know I didn't have love for this person? I was, maybe I didn't know these things, and I was just doing it thinking I was doing it out of the right motives, and eventually I realized it wasn't, right? How do we know if we're acting in love? How do we know what love, <laughs> if love is actually motivating our serving, if it's motivating our giving, our working? The answer is that we can tell by how we treat other people. How we treat other people. So chapter, uh, verse 4 says love is patient. Love is patient. <laughs> patience is an expression of love. Patience is having what we call forbearance, which is like uh, a tolerance, um, uh, self-control, re- restraint. You know, that, that's, what, that's what forbearance is. Like to have, if you love, you have these things, right? It's tolerating the everyday faults and flaws of your brothers and sisters. Look around, look around, look at each other. Yep, you need to tolerate them. <laughs> look around, look around. You need to tolerate them. Rather than complaining about them, rather than being irritated by them, rather than forsaking them entirely. You know what forsaking means? Forsaking means that 
when, when uh, Zeke walks this way, I go around the long way to not have to deal with Zeke. Right? When we forsake one another here in, in the church as a family, it means like we got two aisles here. Like somebody's coming down this aisle. I'm going to go up this one because I don't want to even pass them. Romans 15.1 says, we ought to be, we, we, but we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not just please ourselves. So, if we call ourselves believers and if we are maturing in our walk with God and we feel that we are in a strong place, then you should be dealing with the failures and the weaknesses of those brothers and sisters around you that may not be there yet. Bear with, uh, Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Some people are like, nah, I can't forgive. Did God forgive you? Okay. So guess what? Forgive him. Forgive her. Because you, too, were forgiven. You were shown grace? Show grace. Forbearance is like tolerating that, oh, that annoying stone that gets, always finds a way to get right here in your shoe. And the thing is, like, you can stand straight, and sometimes you don't feel it, right? But then you start walking, and like, ah, oh, there it goes again. There it goes again. And then you got to take your whole shoe off just to get that little stone out, right? But, but, but forbearance is tolerating that little stone. It's annoying. Oh, oh, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I, I, it, it's tolerating the little stone that's in your shoe. It's putting the things that we find irritating, the things that irritate us, right, <laughs> and other people and putting it aside. Let's be honest. Some of us can be pretty irritating. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I, 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 I'll, put myself, I'll put myself up first, right? Some of the things that we do can be pretty irritating. Sometimes... Somebody might tell the same U.S. Marine stories over and over and over again. <laughs> Sometimes uh, a certain individual may laugh at his own jokes before you guys laugh. <laughs> Sometimes that certain individual will tell his wife, driving past a building, that'd be a great church. I know. You tell me every time we drive by this building. I tell my wife, like, just, babe, just, just entertain me when I say it. You're right. You're right. That would be. That's actually a quicker way to end it than saying, you always tell me. And then I'm like, wait, but it's, well, you know, so we go back and forth. I know, I, I, know, I know that irritates her, but she loves me. So guess what she has to do? She has to tolerate that. Because I'm always going to be like, oh, that's a nice building for a church right there. She's like, you're turning into your dad. You're turning into your dad. I'm like, sorry. Or maybe people complain too much. Maybe you know someone that complains too much. Maybe you know somebody that's always talking about their job. You're like, bro, I don't want to hear about your job no more, bro. I don't want to hear it no more. Right? Or maybe it's someone that's always opinionated. Like, who did, I'm sorry, do we, do we ask? Do we ask for their opinion? <laughs> Maybe, maybe you're, uh, if someone's obsessed with money or sports or politics, patience <laughs> means just putting up with people who do 
these things. Putting up with them. That's what love is. Was that? Maybe somebody talking about the Eagles all the time. That could be irritating. I didn't say it. Justin did. I just said it from the mic so those watching online could hear what he said. Patience means putting up with people like that. Not temporarily. Not just temporarily putting up with people like that, but, but for forever. Not under the condition that, oh, they'll change. I'll just tolerate them right now until they change. No, no, no. No, it's tolerating them if they never change, even if they never change. As long as necessary, because you love them, and because you love them, you're willing to overlook their faults and failures, their shortcomings. What does love look like? Verse 4 says, love is kind. Love is kind. Kind. Offering a, a word of comfort, encouragement. Sometimes meeting someone's need in a compassionate way, right? Um, helping them with a difficult task. Sometimes kindness means not saying something that maybe you wanted to say and you refrain from saying it. Holding your tongue. So I got a car accident on Tuesday. Many of you guys know I'm okay, thank God. Uh, the car is not, the car's totaled. Um, a, another woman driving caused the accident, but she wasn't in the accident. So she kind of just drove away after we had the accident, right? Um, I got out of the car and I dealt with the guy that I hit and we were talking and I gave him all the information back and forth. Um, and I figured, you know, it just, I didn't think anything of our conversation until the next morning when he called me back. He called me back and said, listen, I was thinking, you were such a, I mean, he spoke to me in Spanish because he was a, an older gentleman, but, but he, said, he said to me, I was thinking about the accident last night, and you were just such a kind person. In the midst of an accident, you were so kind. And because of that, I just wanted to say, listen, my car is not, not, not really damaged. Um, I know your car was, you have liability. I'm, he goes, why don't I just not call it in? I'm okay. If you want to just pay for this to be fixed, and that's good, and I'm okay with that. And to me, that was a testimony. I mean, I'm, gra- I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that that happened. It's a testimony of even within the accident, God still being, uh, because, you know, it, but I wasn't thinking of let me be kind to this guy. Honestly, I'm going to be honest. I wasn't thinking let me be kind to this guy. I was upset. I was upset. I mean, I'm glad that the other car kept going because I probably wouldn't have been as nice with the other car that caused the accident. But when I came out, I had no reason not to be kind to him. And it, and it was just natural. But that kindness, when we, when we are kind because of the love that we have for people, it, it's a powerful thing. God can work in that. You give God room to work in that. You know, sometimes we have to tell people the harsh truth, and that's love, right? <laughs> I mean... I've talked about American Idol. I used that example many times. But this time, I have some actual quotes from Simon. When Simon has said to certain people, this, this, is, this is truth not in love. Truth not in love. He says, years ago, I sat on two cats, and that's what you sounded like. <laughs> he said, if you would have lived 2,000 years ago and sung like that, I think they would have stoned you. Do you have a singing teacher? Get a lawyer and sue her. 
there's only so many words I can drag out of, out of my vocabulary to say how awful that was. Don't be a Simon. Love is kind, even when communicating the hard truth. All right, going back to verses 4 and 5, it says, love is kind. Um, it does not envy, does not parade itself, it's not puffed up, it does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, it's not provoked, thinks no evil. Envy, envy is when you look at what someone else has, right? If they look good, if they have money, if they have a good job, they have a good family, if they have good friends, or whatever the case may be, they have education, you look at what they have, and you be like, why they have all that? I should have that. I deserve that. that that's, that's what envy is. It looks at those things and says, that's not fair. I should have those things. I deserve that. The truth is this. You're right. Life isn't fair. We learned that in Ecclesiastics, right? It teaches that. Um, the race doesn't always go to the fastest person. The, the battle isn't always won by the strongest person. Um, the promotion always doesn't go to the hardest worker. We know that. We live in times that it's all about who you know. It's not fair. It's not fair. We didn't pick our ancestors and the DNA that some of us are short and some of us are taller. Some of us are a little healthier than others. Some of us have hair. Some of us don't. Like, it's, it's, we didn't pick. We didn't, we, it's not fair. We didn't get to pick those things. Life isn't fair. It's just not fair. But when you envy others, you are less likely. Okay, so check this out. It's not fair, but envying someone is not the correct way to respond. It's not. When I begin to envy anyone, let's, let's talk about our church family here. When I begin to envy anyone within my church family, then I am less likely to share their burdens with them I am less likely to give them a helping hand when they need it. I am less likely to encourage them. Why? We're not going to encourage somebody. You're hating on them. You see what I'm saying? When we envy within the house, we, 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 we don't, we're less likely to do all these things, to encourage, to serve them. Why? Because you think that they already have more than they should have because you, you're envying what they have or who they are. Oh, you know what? I don't need to help them with that. They, they'll be all right. And, and, and deep down inside, some people may even want life to not go so well for them. That's not love. Not only does not love, but that's a problem. That's a problem. The reason, the reason why uh, there was a command not to covet, the command not to covet was included in the Ten Commandments was because a community is poisoned by envy. And a community poisoned by envy will cease to be a community. If envy is allowed to run rampant here, then it will destroy our family. It will destroy our family. So if you start to feel it sneak up on you, right? Stop. Automatically identify that what you're feeling does not come from God. It is, that is not a godly feeling. Rebuke it, repent, and move forward. And I, I would challenge you even further that for, the, for that second, the person that you were kind of feeling envious to, go toward that person and love that person. Embrace that person. Serve that person. 
That's just, that's just an additional. When envy takes hold of a family, we've seen this. Brothers and sisters that don't talk for what? Decades. Decades. Families torn apart because of envy. Oh, why, why she got to have that? Why he got to have that? And then they don't talk. And then it's the same old story in the funerals. Oh, we should have been there for each other. I'm telling you, I do, I do so, I'm, every time I'm at a funeral, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's too late. It's too late. Showing up to someone's funeral, it's too late. If you're breathing and they're breathing, re- reconcile right now. Don't let another day go by. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. When we let envy loose in a church, the result is division, disunity, and coldness instead of love. The other reason why envy and coveting is harmful is because at that moment, at that moment, I'm like, man, look what she has. I wish I had that. So what happens is it's affecting my relationship with God. Because what I'm telling God is that you didn't, I'm not thankful for what you gave me. I'm not thankful for what you gave me because you gave sweetie this. You didn't give me that. And so what happens is my ungratefulness, right, affects my relationship with God. Because I can't be thankful and grateful and envious at the same time. They don't go together. So it will eat my, away my, my relationship with God. 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to finish the last, the last couple of verses here. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only one part of a whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything, perf- everything with perfect clarity. All I know is now is impartial and complete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows, now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love, is love. The reason why 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is so powerful, because in order to love, in order to love, to truly love one another as Christ loved us. To love sacrificially, authentically, and joyfully, we have to keep in mind that most things that cause, that most of those things that cause division amongst us, that make us envious, that make us proud, or that give us that us versus them mentality, all those things don't matter. All those things don't matter. They won't last. They don't last. They're temporary. They don't go past the grave. None of of that will persist into eternity. What will last, what will matter, is how we have treated one another. If it was truly with love or not. That's what matters whether we have loved one another from the heart, 
whether we've conducted and demonstrated uh, service with love, um, everything else, everything else is swept away. In closing, in closing, I want to remove one more hindrance to love. Sometimes there's things that block us from loving others. One more thing to consider is this. Everyone around you right now, everyone watching on, t- on, on YouTube or Facebook, everyone that's here, everyone is going through their own private battles. Everyone is fighting some battle in their life. Everyone. Sometimes we know about those things, right? Um, because people will say, hey, pray for me on this area, this area, this area, and they'll ask for prayer. And so we are aware of some battles. We were aware of Mackenzie's battle with pneumonia. We knew that because she asked for prayer. But, but many times, many times, um, and usually most of the time, we don't know a lot of what's going on because we keep it to ourselves. We wanna, we think we can just handle it on our own, and so we keep that privately. We're so good. We're so good at covering up our weaknesses, aren't we? We are so good at covering up our weaknesses because we don't want no one to know. We don't want no one to know. Well, guess what? We are all weak at something. We all have weaknesses. We all have struggles. None of us are perfect. None of us, uh, none of us should, should feel that, 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 that the world has to model us. We all, we all have our battles. But when you look around the room, you look around, you look around, you might look at someone like, oh, no, they don't. They look like they got it all together. They look like they had it all together. They're not going through some things. They're always smiling. They're always happy. But let me tell you that they're struggling with something, with something. It may seem to, they may seem to have a perfect, charm life, but in reality, that life includes some sorrow. There's disappointments, there's pain, there's struggle and loss. There's heartbreak, just like our heart, just like your heart breaks. And because of those things, they need you to respond in love. That's the thing. We look around and we think some people got it all together, and, we, and, and, and so we don't feel the need to respond in love. But the reality is that we all are fighting battles. And we all need to express ourselves in love, and we all need to receive love. And this is the season that you see a lot of hearts everywhere. You see a lot of pink and red everywhere. Because they want you to buy each other's stuff to celebrate one day that you show your boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, or or, or husband that you love them. Now, we know it shouldn't just be one day. You should be living a life that shows your, your, your spouse or your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, that you love them. You should be living a life like that. But what Valentine's Day does for many people it reminds them. It reminds them. 
And so today, this message is something that many of us, we know we're supposed to love. We know that God, Jesus was like the greatest of these commandments is to love me and then love each other. I mean, he's big on love. But many times we get caught up with the wrong motives. We get caught up with the wrong motives. And you know what? We all can fall victim to that. We can all give in to those things. There's nobody here that is immune from perhaps doing things without the true motive being love. So this morning what I want to do is I want to just open up uh, to pray because sometimes we just need help. Lord, I need you to help me love people. Like the people in my life are just difficult. People in my life, they, they, they just, they're hard to love, you know, and, and, and that's, that's a reality of life. My situations, God, because of what I'm going through, I can't love. You know, there's, there's many reasons why sometimes we find it hard to love others. But I don't want you to leave this place without giving it to God this morning. If you find yourself not loving others the way you should, I challenge you to come up and, and, ask, and just give that to God. If for some reason motives, maybe you don't even know what your motives are. You know what? Give it to God. If you're struggling to love each other in your relationships, in your homes, in your marriages, in, in your relationships, Many times, many times is what are the motives of the things that you do? Are we doing things out of love or not? Don't leave here today without coming before his presence.